This is Corey Gray and Tony Stewart from Hairdistry. Thank you for tuning in to the Hairdressers Podcast. Now here's a word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Morgan, and I'm the owner of Jade Beauty Co. in the Chicago suburbs. I have used Schedulicity for the last four years of my business, and I cannot say enough good things about it. Not only does it work perfect for my salon and all the features and options that they offer, but the way that Schedulicity has handled the COVID-19 crisis has just been amazing. And for salon owners or any small business It has really taken one less thing off my very heavy plate right now, and I cannot say enough good things. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, and this amazing podcast is brought to you by Schedulicity. Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. And of course, I'm sitting with my best friend, Tom. What's up, buddy? What's going on, brother? Chilling like a villain. How you been? Oh, man, I can't complain. Things are good. Things you know? are good, right? Yep. I have a, a five-week-old grandson right now. Um, uh, it's It's been pretty special, man. It's pretty amazing, isn't oh, it? Oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? And it's kind of cool because I felt like a, like a young grandfather, so I'll be able to, like, you know, do all kind of crazy stuff with right. him. But, uh, but just the word grandfather I'm like what? it's crazy right oh my it's like a new like it's like a new step in life right yeah yeah it's just, but it sounds a little 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 old i know right Ugh. well it, it is all right so like it's like the last rung of life right like we kind of think of like grandparents you're like oh well, you're the first you're the next one to die right when i think about my grandmother i'm like man when i remember as a kelly she was old but i don't think i look anything like that well was she older when you were born probably not no, I don't know. Nah, she yeah. had a tougher life. We've had an easy. We've had easier lives, man. That's true. You that's know, our true. grandparents always they they, they they carried us. You know, <laughs> yeah. They, but that's not, enough about us. Enough about us. <laughs> right. Enough about us. Um. So today, uh, once again, we're having a really great uh, guest on. Um, we we've heard her um, on a couple other podcasts. Um, she was definitely on on, on Nina and Jay's podcast. Uh, this is your this is your chance to shout them out. No stylist left behind. Yeah. No stylist left behind. So I thought you were about to say another podcast. No, 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 no. I was giving you a shot. So, um, so today our, our guest is Monet Everett and, and Monet is like, she's awesome, man. If you follow her, she, she's very upbeat. She, she brings the energy, she brings the love and, and, and don't we all need more love in, our, in the industry? And she's the real deal, right? So she, I mean, she's been in the industry. Uh, I guess she'll tell us how long she's been in the industry, but she's accomplished quite a bit. You know what I mean? She has yeah. a couple of books now. Uh, she's uh, she she has a nice celebrity clientele. She's uh, I mean she's I mean she's really has done it all. But the, her new, but I can't wait to get into her new book. You know what I mean? Because it, it it's a uh, it's kind of a cool name. It's something mm-hmm. kind of like we talk about. You know, like get out of your own way type stuff. Exactly. Uh, what does the name of the book? So, uh, <laughs> exactly. uh, you know what I mean? So. It, not, she doesn't, she's not writing a book and telling you what to do. She wrote a book because this is what she's done. Mm. You know what I mean? So this is what I did to obtain what I've done. You know what I mean? Now she's sharing it with you. So it, it, it'll make it a little easier for you to get to where she's at if, you, if that's the path you want to go. There's no doubt. That, that, you know what? That's an amazing point that you brought up is that, you know, she's telling you where she's been. I mean, so many times you hear about books, you hear about people on stage talking, telling you how to do this, but you're not sure if if they've walked the walk, right? I mean, she, 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 she she's talking the talk because she's walked the walk, right? 100%. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, and so it, I'm really curious to kind of see uh, how she did it and what inspired her to do it. Well, let's do it, man. Shall we get in? Yeah. Let's get in. So, Miss Monet Everett, welcome to your day off. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Big fan of the show. Oh, thank you, man. Thank, uh, th- well, one, thanks for uh, thanks for following us. Thanks for giving us shout outs. And like you were on our um, you were on our panel with uh, Layla Bundles, weren't you? I was. I yeah. certainly was. Well, thank you so much for that. That was like that was like a super special like podcast um, for us because. You know, it was really neat to be able to talk to like this, 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 this woman who's a legend, um, not only in our industry, but in our country. And then, um, you know, to, to be able to do the, the Q&A afterward, that, that was that was that was pretty, pretty dope. We're pretty uh, proud and excited about that. Yeah, it was nice to be a part of a situation where I could say to someone um, how much I appreciate her and her contribution. Sometimes when you're working, you don't know how other people feel. So for them, to, for me to be a part of being able to tell her how much we appreciate her work was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So where are you from? Where, where did you grow up? So bus it, right? Born in New York, lived here for a few years, but raised in the D.C. area, so DMV, stand up. Um, And then I moved back to New York about 10 years ago, and I can never answer that question like, oh, I'm from New York or oh, I'm from D.C., because I went back and forth so much, so it's like a hybrid of both. She's from, like, Philly. She's, like, from in between. Yeah. So you're from East Coast, somewhere along the way. So you're from our neighborhood. Yes, DMV. Yes, DC, Maryland, Virginia. We actually have some mutual friends, don't we? Because you worked on um, Project Runway, so uh, so our friend Lynn and Jackie worked on Project Runway as well. Absolutely. So um, yeah, I did season twelve, the show, and I've done multiple of the reunions um, or season finale, not reunions, multiple season finales. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Project Runway. That's where you get a lot of your chops. You learn to move fast, and you also learn about uh, TV magic. So, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. Dude, the most impressive thing about watching Lynn work is in which the speed he does it. He works so fast. What Did you did you pick up any uh, tips or tricks or, or anything like that from him? Yeah, so I didn't work the season with him. Um, I had a different lead, but I have done some finales with him. And just like you said, the speed, and you have to be able to delegate and, and change on the fly. Because like on the finale, it's, I want to say like 120 models. On the and they have to come up with looks for everyone, um, depending on the team. Yeah, each person has to show. So you got to uh, dress every model by following uh, the designer's instructions, but coming up with something that looks great for each model because the designer may come up with a great look, but the model may not have hair that can um, easily achieve that. What pressure? Yeah, I was just about to go yeah. there. Like, yeah, that was. You must have like nerves of steel. I mean, I I think I would fold. I'm like, this is not for me. I I don't know if I can handle that. You'd find me in the back crying in a right. corner. <laughs> well, you would not be alone back there crying in the corner. But <laughs> while you know, sometimes you're the stylist crying. Other times you learn to shake it off. But the bottom line is, the more time you take in the back crying in the corner, the less time you have to complete the look. Or you got other stylists who are more seasoned or hungrier who will smile while you go cry and take your client, take your model. So there's a plethora of choices of how it's going to go down, but their hair will be finished on time with or without you. Okay. So we jump like uh, way ahead of schedule here, right? (laughs) So, so I want to get back to the DC. Okay. Yes. Where in the DC DMV area did you grow up? Northern Virginia. Um, I even went to George Mason university. So Here's the thing. I went to school for radio and PR, so I thought I was going to basically do what you guys are doing now. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm super opinion about opinionated about parents. I'll only do it to make money in school. Uh, this will be great because, you know, when everybody else is smiling about how broke they were in college, I didn't find that funny. So <laughs> I figured, you know, <laughs> let me create a craft. Um, I had to pay my own way through school and towards the end of college. I learned about um, celebrity work and on set work and things of that nature. So I said, when I graduate college, I'm going to be a celebrity hairstylist. It doesn't work that way. Nobody really cared that I graduated college. That did not make me proficient in hairstyling to be able to style all hair textures and work under high pressure. So I immediately fell on my face. 
and then realize, okay, maybe I like need to learn more. I need to take more classes, do more things. So um, I went back, started working at a chain salon in the DC area. Um, and I chose that salon because they offered a lot of education. I realized there's just a lot I don't know. Um, besides about business, there's a lot I do not know uh, about hairstyling and hairstyling quickly and effectively. While I was there, I became a salon manager and really started researching and finding more ways to achieve my goals, work with different hair techs. There was just so much I didn't know. I didn't know there were people who traveled with celebs. I didn't even know there were um, hairstylists who represented brands or educated for brands. So I was like, they're like soaking it all in. That's so crazy. You know, what's interesting um, about what you said is that, you know, there's three of us in this conversation and all three of us have, have hit that wall. All three of us have, have, have hit the wall to be humbled about like, Oh, I got to get my shit together. You know, like, 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 like thinking you're going to live up here and actually achieving it are two different things. Um, you know, so, uh, I mean, I, I think we've talked about on the podcast a couple of times, you know, just the challenges that we've had as young hairdressers and, and just being able to say, you know, Hey, you know, that didn't work out. Now, what do I have to do so that that does work out next time? You know, and I think that that's a big, that's a big, you know, it's a big stepping stone. I don't want to say it's a challenge on in industry, but it's certainly the stepping stone, right? When you're young, you go, okay, pick yourself up and, and, and let's move forward. Yeah, yeah, for some it, it, reason, we thought we were going to swing from treetop to treetop without climbing the tree. Hundred percent. I remember when I graduated school, I, I went and worked for uh, another classmate who uh, I, I don't know how he had money, but anyways, his family had because he he opened up a, a salon right out of right out of uh, school, and uh, so I went work for him, and. Uh, about a month into it, I had two women in my chair. Like one was in my chair crying, and another one came back in the door uh, crying. Uh, and I'm, I'm like, oh my god, I have no. Clue. It was all had color related. I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Let me. Uh, so that's when I went to PR. Well, it was David's beautiful people at the time that I uh, and PR and Partners took the Bethesda location over. But I went to assist, and then I assist there for about a year and a half which they had a lot of education too. We, you know, I got a good, got a chance to go to Sassoon's and stuff like that in London and, and Tony and Guy and all that. So, but uh, it, it, I could have, that, I think a lot of people would have quit at that moment. You know what I mean? It's like, this is not for me. What am I doing? But if you're able to humble yourself and refocus and ground yourself and, and, and know what you, where you want to go. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what you, you're saying right now is that you knew where you wanted to go, but you needed, the education to get there and you found the right path for you to get where you wanted to go. Absolutely. I, I asked a lot of questions, but it probably takes me being in this industry 20 years to know that I was asking people questions who just didn't have the answer. And unfortunately, so many people will make up an answer rather than saying, I don't know. <laughs> so I got sent down a lot of wrong streets, but you know, ended up finding my way back. Well, good thing for you, you right? us, that you, you you were persistent. You know what I mean? You didn't just just took it and just lived there. You was like, you know, this is not right. You, you kept moving. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Those are the tough times in this industry, right? Those are the tough times when you have to look at a client in the eye and they're crying or, you know, for Tony, you had two of them crying. You know, those are, those are the tough times. And those are like, you know, if you read like the Facebook forums and stuff, that's, you know, it's that kind of stuff that people are like, oh my God, this is, this is like the worst industry, you know, but, but it, it takes, you know, real gumption, I guess is the right word. You know, it takes real gumption to kind of like work through that. And then make this the amazing industry that it is, right? Oh. It does. And it's funny, I had in my chair, because I had definitely I've gone through people crying. When I started to build a clientele, I literally told them, I have a no crying chair. We can discuss anything you want. You keep the happy tears to yourself because in a salon, no one can tell if they're happy or sad tears. <laughs> I promise you we can discuss anything. We will start out with a consultation longer than you're probably accustomed to because you can't cry in this chair. Right. No one can think straight when tears are involved. You know what? That's a, that, that's a really good point. You know, when, when there's emotion there, like it's like the, the part of the brain shuts off, right? right. Just, yeah. just reacting with it. Well, you, you brought up your consultations. Can we go through that a little bit? 
Oh, absolutely. So um, I'm a big fan of consultations, even when I work with my celebrity clients. And many times they tell me they are not accustomed to it. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of sitting face to face when you're able to avoiding looking in the mirror because um, standing over them can kind of come across like um, an intimidating situation, like you feel you're better than them or they feel that you're better than them. Either way, we're equal here. We got to work together to get done what you want. I'm a big fan of what do you like about your hair? What don't you like about hair? How much time do you have to commit to this hairstyle? Have you done anything like this before? You're asking for this, but this is similar to that. Have you done that before? What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? Can you put rubber bands in your hair for the updo? Many people are allergic to uh, rubber bands and hairpins on their scalp. Who's going to help you take this out tonight? Oh, I, I ask a lot of questions. And if I see them getting squirrely and uncomfortable with the situation, I've learned to get behind them and start doing a little bit of working, you know, moving the hair. Do you like it this way? What are you thinking about, you know, this length? things of this nature to, to bring them back in because some people can feel like, okay, this is too much talk and I'm just getting my hair done. <laughs> um, and I even put up on my website, a way to prepare for high end clients, like a checklist of things to go through. Um, and one of the things that I put towards the end, save yourself some time and some issues by bringing them into the style instead of I'm the hairstylist. I know what looks good. Okay, we're towards the end of this updo. Do you like it parted on this side? What if I brought the volume here? What are you thinking about there? And I find that if we take the 20 seconds to do that, it's a lot easier than the 20 minutes at the end of fixing and changing when they're like, I just don't like it. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you might find something so simple as the part should have been a half inch over. Right. That's, smart. That's such an aha. Like, you know what I mean? Make them a part of the final final look you know what i mean instead of just doing it and then she doesn't like it undoing it redoing it uh you know make them part of the whole process which is great so yeah when your ego's bruised it's hard for you to move on when you're home back tears it's hard for you to move on you know <laughs> that is the truth too so how how, how did this, all this evolve because you know when when i stalked you you know You've been on all these different uh, magazines, all these different platforms, all these different things. So obviously you've achieved what you wanted to achieve or you're still achieving what you wanted to, to achieve out of school. But, you know, when you started working for that big uh, DC chain, uh, at what point did you feel that, you know what, I, I think I can try to reach out for that? I mean, how did that? So while I was there, I was traveling back and forth to New York doing photo shoots because I learned that you had to build a portfolio. And I learned that there was a lot I didn't know and that the D.C. area just is not a major hub for fashion. Now, that you could have knocked me over with a feather with that because I thought D.C. was a major city. And in my opinion, if you're a major city, you must be great at fashion. Not the case. So I would, yeah, I would travel back and forth to New York and do photo shoots, a lot of free photo shoots, because you have to have a portfolio to show. You have to start building up your um, photo stories. So no, we didn't have social media, but I point out the importance of photo stories because a lot of people think, oh, my Instagram is popping. I'm like, ma'am, that's not a photo story. As far as the power loose that be are concerned, you kind of got lucky a time or two. How do you work with a team? So I would go back and forth. Um, but while I was in the salon, I specialized in hair color. So I became an American board certified hair colorist. And that opened up some doors for me, but it was still like I was at a crossroads. I was very sad to find out, you know, there aren't hair colorists on set. So I had to say, oh, okay, so my goal is to be on set. I want to represent a brand. I want to work with celebrities. I um, want to do high powered magazine shoots, but hair color doesn't normally get you that way. So it opened doors for me. I became um, a hair color educator. And what that did was allow me to speak to people who had more experience and ask more questions. So I started working in that realm. And then as soon as I became a hair color educator, like literally three months and two days later, they were like, hey, you know how we hired all of you for this job? 
we're going to lay off to like 15,000 of you at this very point. And they thought it was within my three months, but like it was literally like one or two days over. So um, my whole life stopped at one time. Personal life fell apart. Work life, everything fell apart. It was one very hard week right before Christmas where everything fell apart. So it was like, okay, Monet, you, you left the job as a manager. You, you, you don't want to go back there because I didn't really like it. Um, the people were not nice. Managing a salon is not what a lot of people think it is. Uh, so the hair color job that you took is not working out. And now I know it was God like, oh my God, what do I have to take from you for you to follow your dreams and go to New York? You know? I worked on that for a while. I did a lot of photo shoots in the DC area. I traveled back and forth to New York a lot. And I started to hit this place where people were like, okay, your work is good, but they would never call me back for a job too. When they found out, like if it was time to send my paycheck and they found out it wasn't in New York because they were always nervous that what if you're unable to make it? So um, I eventually moved. I had wanted to move. I had wanted to live in New York for many, many years, but I was scared to death. You know, Um, I had family up here, but not family like you could depend on and come and stay with them. And, you know, there's levels to family and friends. So got my place, came here and everything worked out really well for like the first couple of months until it all stopped. Because when things are going really fast, you're like, oh, I'm perfect. Everything I did was right. And when they stop, you're like, apparently I'm not perfect. Apparently I need. (laughs) Perfect is the illusion. (laughs) Yeah, apparently I need to work on some things. And I had to look and see everything that I felt um, made me stand out as a hairstylist. These things may not have been true. Did I really know how to pitch myself? Did I really know how to style all hair textures? Was I really fast? And I mean, you've got to be really fast. Can I work at the same time that a makeup artist is doing makeup and they're getting a manicure and be able to concentrate on my job, you know, when that head's going back and forth and not burn them, Mm -hmm. not catch an attitude, Um, be able to quickly unpack my things and repack. And more than anything, can I really hear the client speaking to me? Monet, you know, a lot of people like when, when, when they start thinking about session work and stuff, and, and again, I kind of brought it up earlier that, you know, just to watch the speed in which Lynn works, but that's just the way the speed works backstage. Like, I guess a lot of people don't understand, or certainly I didn't understand, I'll, I'll own it. I didn't understand in which the speed in which you have to work backstage. Oh, you have to move really fast and you have to be committed to working smarter instead of harder. Not only do you have to work fast, you're generally working at the same exact time as the makeup artist, maybe the manicurist, if you're in TV, the producer may be coming over and having conversations. Um, I think one of the biggest differences between doing session work and working in a salon is generally in a salon, you control your schedule and you control the flow. Uh, In session work, you are told the time it takes for you to start to finish. And um, in a salon, you time the time you're working on them. On session work, the time is from the time they walk in the door to the time they get out of your seat. Was there any like techniques or anything to that, that that you did or that you learned to to kind of pick up your speed? Like like how how do, how do you do that? I mean, I even have a hard time doing it in the salon when I'm running late. You know, like like were there techniques or anything that you kind of use to pick up your speed? Absolutely. So I have adopted a five section technique where I feel I can do just about any hairstyle in five sections. And I developed this technique because if I walk in and they're speaking to makeup or production or breastfeeding, whatever they're doing, I know my time is still going. I have to do something during that time, whether it's a blow dry or a set or something within that time. So generally, if I do my prep work, um, and, you know, we do a lot of prep work. A lot of salon stylists think that they can skip the prep. No, you got to build that foundation. And you're doing a lot of old school setting techniques, um, whether it's with your curling iron or blow dryer or not. You have to build that foundation because you may change that hairstyle eight times that day, or you may need it to look exactly the same for eight hours that day but i'm starting in that five technique um five section technique and generally i can rock anything it's always what can you do to work smarter instead of harder 
Do you have do you have that five tech? I know I'm interested, right? Yeah. Like do, yeah. you, do you have that five section posted someplace? Where can we I find have it? my classes. So um, at the Monet Life Academy at themonelife.com, I have multiple classes. So you want to be an onset hairstylist, and so you want to be an editorial hairstylist. And all of my styling techniques are based on the five section technique. All right, I'm going to back this up a little bit, Tone, if you don't mind. But like, how back do you up. <laughs> back it on up now? Like, like so many people that, that we've talked to um, that are in the industry, you know, the, the dream is to kind of do session work. Like one, I, I guess the question is, how did you get discovered? How did, how did you, you know, pers- I know it's through persistence because there's no more persistent girl in, in our industry than, than Monet Everett. But like, 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 how did you kind of find your first break or, or what did you look for or how did you set that up? Is there a story there? There, there is such a story that is kind of like mashed up like mashed potatoes. And um, I might have alluded to it, but not really um, said it. So when I first learned there was a such thing as working with celebrities or doing like ad campaigns for Kmart, I literally had no comprehension. I thought they went to the salon and then did a photo shoot the next day or whatever. No comprehension. Um, I was told, oh, check out websites like Craigslist or Model Mayhem. And I went on there and I looked, I was like, oh, they're looking for hairstylists for photo shoots. Great. So in the beginning, I would just show up and do what's called a test shoot, which means I would do the hair for free and hope to get good images. And a lot of those images came back and it was like, oh, okay, I'm happy or, or I'm happy with the hair, but I really don't like the photography or why is her makeup running and my feelings would get oh so hurt when I found out even if your hair is perfect you can't use it everything has to be great so then it becomes a word of mouth and you start switching people in and out like okay the photographer did pretty good but that makeup was bad okay let's try a new makeup artist okay um the makeup was great the hair and the photography was where I needed to be but the girl couldn't model and then, you know, um, people, you would start referring that way, like, you know, okay, you're talking to a makeup artist. She's like, okay, I'm doing another photo shoot like next week with a different photographer. And you started working your way up. Everything is levels. And then my mind was blown when I found out about photo stories, which is how can you tell a story through images, meaning you need at least three to five images to show a story. How did the hair transition? How did the makeup transition? Everything has to transition and tell the story. That is not easy to do. Especially oh, hold on, when you- is, is that kind of like a Naha like photo shoot? Is, is that what you're talking about? Or is this something a little bit different? It's pretty different. So Naha is very hair based and, uh, it's not what I do in this industry with celebrities. So when I work with a celebrity, they are the absolute focal point. What can I do to accessorize and draw attention to that celebrity? So there is, I'm happy you brought that up because there's a really big misconception about editorial work. Now, look, don't hate me here, but just understand there's two different industries. So the Naha work, the fantasy, the illusion, very respectable, not what... I have seen to be very profitable. What is more profitable is um, working with celebrities and brands to tell a story through photos. A lot of times we don't realize it, but your clients can even see a photo story coming, how you transition the young woman, how you made her look great with her hair half up, half down, all up or all down. How did you make that client the focal part? A celebrity is nothing but a regular client that's known. How do you make them stand out? If they spent 20 years trying to get to where they are and they're on a major red carpet, the worst thing that can happen is for a photographer to say, oh my God, your hair looks so great, turn around. It should be all about them. You get what I mean? So Naha is all about the hair. Working with celebrities and doing um, editorials are all about the model or the talent. Right. Does that make a little bit of sense? The, the hair is the is the accessory. Yes. Right. Right. It's a piece of of the story. Yes. And they are the story. Who, who, who was it? There was there was a famous hairdresser, and they said that that if you say if you tell a woman that her hair looks great, that's an insult to the woman. Right? It is like like the hair should be like 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 the compliment should be like, 
wow, you look amazing in that hairstyle yes. or something like that. Not that your hair you looks look amazing. Good. Just you look amazing. Right. You want them. This is when you had a great team. Where it's when you see someone on a red carpet or in a photo, you say, oh, my God, they look good. Right. When you start saying that makeup is everything, the hair, eh, why'd she <laughs> pose like that? And who put that dress on her? All of those are problems. You have a great team when there's nothing you can say, but she looks great. And then you add, oh, look at her hair. Oh, look at the dress. And notice how many times when hairstylists speak, they're only talking about the hair. Now, let's be honest. I care more about the hair than anything else. <laughs> but when, when I work, with a celebrity, I am working in a team. If something is wrong, all of it is wrong. And, you know, um, we have those wars backstage, you know, or in that hotel room. If the makeup artist is doing something and it just doesn't look good, we all are standing there as a team. And I've been in that hot seat. If, the, if me as a hairstylist, if I'm doing something that's going to take away from the entire look, they generally are not shy about telling me how they feel about it. And you've got to be able to plead your case. So I always say as a hairstylist, you have to tell them what you're going to do, explain to them um, basically how you're going to do it, get it there in the time you said you were going to do it so that the whole flow goes together. Then they're going to get up, get dressed, go in a full month body mirror and decide what to change. And your brain is just not yours. Your hair. This is the first Sorry. time I actually understand it because yeah. you know when you put all those pieces together, then wow, look how amazing the picture is, right? Look yeah. how amazing the model is, and then you yeah. dissect. Look how great the hair is. Look how great the makeup is. Look how great the the wardrobe is, right? But yeah, if one stands out more than the other, it takes away from the model or from the picture. Yeah. Uh, you know, then that's that's the problem. And I've never ever looked at it through that lens and uh, makes sense, right? Total makes sense. I believe this is where the disheveled hair came from because um, the conversation generally when it comes to hair is, no, I don't want to look like I spent my whole day in a salon. And as a hairstylist, we're like, what's wrong with that? At least your hair looks nice. But no, give it disheveled. If, if the hair is a little disheveled, maybe we can get a smoky eye with a little run to it and, you know, a grungy look. And it's, oh, where'd she come from? Where's she going? What's happening next? Not so she stopped by the salon before she, you get what I'm saying? Even if you don't verbally say every piece, you'd be surprised how much the human eye picks up on. You may not have the words, but you tend to notice. Wow. I wow. love that, right? I'm blown away. Yeah. And so it's just a whole new, it's a whole different world that we haven't really, you know, we haven't really even had on the podcast, right? No. Yeah. This is the first time. I love and it. And it's funny, you know, your day off. This is what I was doing on my day off every right. time. I would, um, sometimes I would get off of work, you know, from the salon at 8 p.m., home at 10, pack my stuff and be on the bus at 2 a.m. from D.C. to New York you know, to get here by seven, on set by eight, do the whole thing and then come back, you know. And it was just cheaper to sleep on the bus because, you know, the bus was like $20, whereas the Roach Motels in New York at that time were 250 Right. There is none of this in the <laughs> hotel room. You know, you got to make it work. And I watched and I asked a lot of questions. Um, very few people gave me answers, which is why, you know, I started teaching and writing books. And now that i am you know, been in this industry longer, I realized they, they didn't know the answers. This is a career that people are flying by the seat of their pants. And I think that I made so many mistakes in the beginning because one, I wasn't talking to the right people. And two, I just started making making these assumptions and everything that I assume, most things that I assume for what to do were wrong, but I didn't know. Right. Threw a lot of crap at the roll and saw what stuck. So, so, so were you taking notes during this time? So, you know, like, okay, this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work. So when it was time to write the book that uh, uh, you kind of knew how to give those answers that you were looking for? No. So, a lot of people have been asking me, like, you go from nobody knows you to now people are asking you questions to help, like, to help them. Like, I don't know how to help you. Like, I would like to, but I don't know how. Um, so when the shutdown happened, I had so many people that asked me. I said, okay, I'm going to do, like, a little quick PDF, 10 things you're doing, 10 things stopping you from getting booked. 
um, or 10 things to do to get you booked. And then as I was writing, I was like, man, I did a lot of this stuff wrong. And I didn't have anybody to ask. So it turned into um, get out of your own way, 25 insider tips for booking celebrity hairstyling clients. I was able to find a lot of books and videos on the makeup world. Low-key, I do makeup, but I don't promote myself as a makeup artist. <laughs> and But that allowed me to get into a lot of makeup situations. And I learned they're not the same. Um, you know, many people think of getting their makeup done as a special occasion. They stop by a counter or make an appointment. This is not something you would do just because. But many people walk by a salon every day. So they know you can go in for an everyday style or just a blowout. It is a very different perspective of the need for hairstylists, the need for someone to make um, hair look great. In the beginning, most of my bookings were, I did a photo shoot, I spent all of this money, I don't have any money now, can you come fix my hair? Right. <laughs> so people just could not see the importance. You go from not needed at all to, oh my God, no, you, you've got to have a good hairstylist. And if you can style, all hair textures, oh my gosh, you're you're just killing it in the game. So those are my focus, um, being able to style all hair textures, the importance of that, styling them quickly and effectively and teaching you the steps to get on set. We had this conversation before and we're going to get into a little bit of a kind of a like racially charged, I, I would say, you know, like, cause there's a lot of schools that don't teach you all hair textures, right? They teach, you, they teach you straight texture or wavy texture, right? I know the school that we went to was a British school and, and we didn't learn, uh, you know, curly or kinky texture. We uh -huh. just, uh, it was just pretty much straight. My mannequin head was straight hair. Uh, and, and that's the issue. So I, I love the idea. If you can, if you can do all texture, you're definitely, uh, at the top of the of the food chain, you would think. You would think, right? You would think. It doesn't always work that way, but you would think. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if I've even said this on any other podcast. Clearly, I'm a Black girl. You know, I um, when I went to cosmetology, I didn't even know how to braid. My first book was on braided hairstyles. So be clear, I learned how to braid in cosmetology school at, you know, 16, unheard of. My um, instructor immediately sent me to a salon that, the tagline was European salon and spa. So they didn't look like me. And she said, because when you're, when you're young and you're new, you learn stuff easier. So I was a great assistant for them because I wasn't licensed yet, but their clients were requesting me and all of the stylists and they were like, your styling skills, like your blowouts are different from ours. So long story short, I loved it. But you know what I realized after working there two years, I didn't really know how to style black hair. So now I'm licensed and it's time to get in the salon. And I um, originally wanted to learn how to do black hair. So I went to a black salon. But when I decided I wanted to start going to multicultural salons, they didn't really exist. Um, as I became a hairstylist in the industry, like a lot of my test shoots, I can do all hair textures. So the ones that were free. Um, but when it started getting into paid work, it was always, you look black. I'll give you a black bottle. Right. And I hated it. I hated it. I am a hairstylist. A hairstylist can style all hair textures. A hair enthusiast can only style textures similar to their own. So there's only four hair textures, straight, wavy, curly, and kiki or coily. There's only four. Why does that have anything to do with race? So I, I was always apprehensive about that. And one of the great things about living in the D.C. area was it wasn't something that was discussed so often. So I would have, you know, um, Caucasian clients to sit in my chair with the tightest of curls, where I would have Black girls sit in my chair with very loose hair. Me and all three of my sisters and my mom, our hair is so different. It was never about race for me. So it was very striking when I moved to New York and I thought, oh, everything's going to be so open and so easy. It's just about hair. But they really only wanted to book me for people that look like me. And I would run tests and I would take my photo off of my website and I would get different bookings. They didn't even look at the work. It was just, well, no one else wants to do curly and coily hair, so we'll give it to you. And of course, I went in, I rocked it, I made those models look and feel amazing, but I felt that there was no one 
that was even accountable for this lack of diversity. So I am very much championing the conversation about the lack of diversity um, behind the scenes. We have so many women in Hollywood speaking about the lack of diversity on set. So if you have very little diversity in front of the screen, what do you think you have behind the screen? Makes sense. Right. Makes total sense. Yeah. And that's what uh, we had a conversation with uh, Kia about texture versus rate, the thing, race that she's doing. And uh, we're a huge fan of, of Kia. We love Kia. We love Kia. Yes. Kia is awesome. <laughs> she and I are friends and we uh, speak on similar subjects. She's um, more behind the chair in the salon and I'm more doing session styling and photo shoots and celebs. Yeah. Well, that just makes similar it, a, that just makes it a complete conversation, right? Like, like the Absolutely. conversation has to happen everywhere. So, everywhere. you know, by, by, you know, like a two headed or a thousand, headed snake here we can kind of like you know start to start to, to start to kick yeah, back we need to put pressure on our schools and put pressure on you know at, at, at the early uh, stages of education where we uh teach all hair texture not just you know uh, textures that you're familiar with you know? and the thing that i like so i'm happy that i have cosmetology schools reaching out to me i love guests presenting at cosmetology schools so hit me up if that's your thing but this is what I normally say to make people very uncomfortable about this texture conversation, because you can tell that they're using it to be synonymous with race. If you're telling me it's just about texture and you don't know that texture, you can only do straight and wavy hair. What happens when you have this Asian client that comes in and her hair is so extremely straight that you can't curl it with a curling iron? I see many of these people saying they can only do straight and wavy hair. They can't do that hair. Let's be clear. You can only do the hair of the people um, who have hair similar to your own. Spend some time, learn how to work with hair as a fabric and don't hide behind anything else. There's so much education out here. You gotta, gotta want it on your day off. Take some education. If you're nervous about going out and about, even you know, if COVID weren't part of our equation right now, Take some online education. No one has to know you're taking it. Just improve your skills. I love that advice. I love that advice. And and um and I mean, I think I can speak for Tony too. I mean, I, well, I'll speak for me, Tony. You do whatever you do. You know, I'm I'm completely guilty. Like 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 definitely you know, coily hair or really, really curly hair is very intimidating to me. You know, especially as a colorist, because you know, it's it's like you know, how how I've come up doing color is like in a diffused kind of way and and um and you know either curly or or, or coily hair like it's more of a shape right it's so it, it's more of a shape so, so I, I find it a bit challenging because you haven't spent the time learning oh that that's a thousand percent i mean yes that's a thousand percent correct but uh you know will you shine the light on me because 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 it's definitely it's definitely intimidating to me and 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 honestly it has nothing to do with race but um but you're just that texture of hair like it's like know. kia when kia was talking about her experience you know she didn't know uh a straight hair and so she decided she was going to work in a uh kind yeah. of predominantly straight hair salon so she can learn it uh, you know, and th those those individuals who do that, uh, like yourself, Monet, are just, uh, I don't know, you guys are just above the average individual because you got you got to challenge yourself and really push yourself and make yourself uncomfortable to to be able to achieve uh, your goals like that. You know what I mean? And most it, of it, us are, it, are afraid to. It's funny how this conversation is coming full circle, right? Because we started off the conversation saying that, you know, in your first year of school, you know, and where, where, where you've made mistakes or where, you know, you had a couple of clients in there, you know, the, the solution is to learn more, you know? Yeah. So here we are, here we are midway through the conversation and the solution is to learn more. Yeah. But also, you know, the, it, it makes it easier if we're if we learn this in school as a young hairdresser, right? Because after school, and once you because you really don't know anything, and once you develop your skills, you learn a particular way. So if you only learn this fabric, you know what I mean. So if, and you really got to want to challenge yourself in order to learn other fabrics because you know this is what I know, this is what I'm comfortable with, and this is what makes you know it's kind of easy for me. And you're going to stay in this lane. Yeah. Yes, I want to tell you something. My mom called me on my 30th birthday 
We were not the best of friends growing up and we have a great relationship now. She said, I was, she said, I'm telling you on your 30th birthday, I finally get you. She said, I watched Oprah and this is what Oprah said on her special. Oprah said, you can only live one of two ways. You can either live um, in comfort or in courage. And she said, we live in comfort. Our family lives in comfort. You live in courage. We don't process the same. We don't do the same. Nothing about the way we move is the same. And I finally get you. So just what you just said about most of us going our comfort zone, innately, I'm not that person. Innately, I am that person that's like, oh, that looks like something I don't know. I need to learn it. Where I'm learning, other people are like, that looks like something I don't know. Let me run. And it's two different mind frames that struggle to get the other. And I said, this is the best person present you could have ever given me because you taught me something. I didn't, I couldn't know that other people get scared from something they're uncomfortable because if you're not that way, you don't get that. And I said, now I can move forward with more understanding of how I deal with other people. And it helped our relationship, but that's how it is for everything. Either you want to be comfortable and be done with it, or you are in your um, courage part and you're like, no, let me learn more. Let me do more. How can I get more of what I want? And I've always gone through courage. Wow. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm mind blown by it. Yeah. That's, that's profound. That is, that's profound. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that, um, do you think that if you're, I'm going to label people and I don't, I don't mean, I don't mean to, but you know, just for the sake of the conversation, um, do you think that comfort people can learn courage? I think your life forces you to, and everybody has these stories about when they had to learn to be courageous, whether it was you being bullied as a child or someone didn't treat your child right or someone was disrespectful to your mom, you feel that bubble inside of you and you have to move in courage. Now, growing up, I've learned some situations are difficult to um, work in courage and you feel that bubble and you have to decide, are you going to quell that bubble and deal with the repercussions later? Or are you going to go with, you know, whomever you, you worship is telling you in that moment, you got to do something different. Because what I've learned is you can quell it. Don't worry, the same experience I happen again in a few weeks. You know, keep not dealing with it. You'll have it again. You know, you make one person cry and you quell it. You say it's nothing. Guess what? Here's the second client crying. What are you going to do? You know, whatever lessons are there. You can go work for peer and partners as an assistant. (laughs) (laughs) But you did something courageous, right? You said... This isn't working. Let me <laughs> let me go do something different. But imagine you could have stayed there, but you would have kept having clients that cried. And I'm specifically saying clients that cried because it was that was the experience. Not clients that weren't happy. But when that woman cried, it sparked something in you emotionally. And you're like, oh my God, I never want to do this again. No, nope, not going to deal with the lesson. Oh, we got another crier. Okay. Right. Thank I goodness that they both happened at the same time on the same day. So. <laughs> <Thank God. laughs> down. Except for that day you were dying. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's interesting because um, for many, many years, um, I think that I lived in comfort, you know, and just, yes. you know, life is what it is. And then once I found purpose and once I found what what I thought that I was brought here for that everything changed, you know, like, 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 like the comforts were no longer comfortable and, 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 and the courage part became comfortable, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, my number one question has always been why. And I've also learned that is the easiest way to piss people off. Start asking why. And it makes everybody really uncomfortable. And I was always like, but I, I just wanted to know right. why. And they're like, this is just how we do it. Why? Be a reason. Now you're mad. Okay. So, so what inspired, what inspired you to write a book? I got so many DMs from people asking me how I got to where I am. And I'm like, I don't know, girl, I'm still struggling. I'm still trying to figure out how to get there. And then I said, okay, but there's no information out there at all. There has to be 
a way. There has to be something. So I wanted to give some form of a roadmap. And I just realized that, no, I made a lot of mistakes. So not knowing what to do caused me to do a lot of things wrong. Like, you know, I call myself kicking indoors, but, you know, just to give an example, um, I don't know, let's throw out a name. I want to work with Beyonce. So I think if I DM her every other day, she's going to have to respond. No, she probably put me on her stalker list. You get what I'm saying? I didn't know she wasn't the right person to reach out to. Or, you know, you think, okay, I want to work at this brand. So I'm just going to keep calling them. No, you have to find the correct person at the brand and email them. So in Get Out of Your Own Way, I give you a pitch. You tell them um, a little about yourself and what you can do for them and what you've done in the past. And I had to learn that just because people don't get back to you right away, that doesn't mean they're not keeping an eye on you. They just may not have anything to say at that moment. Or maybe they don't work with that person anymore. You know, there was a crap load of uh, learning or the photo stories. That's the major thing. I am harping on photo stories because in 2020, people think it's just about go to my Instagram. Instagram is awesome. Instagram shows me your personal skills. Great. I need to know your personal skills. Your portfolio with your photo stories shows me how you're able to work with a creative team. You know, one of those expensive teams that costs a lot of money to put together. I need to see both, not either or. Mm, that's so genius. I love that. Me too. So can you give us a couple of those? Uh, I'm not going to say give me all 25, mm-hmm. but just give me a couple so uh, we can, you know, th- taste like a little, little bit. Little teaser. Yeah, I just want to, yeah, little appetizer. Okay, so I gave you the, the pitch and I gave you um, something else I just said that I forgot. Yeah, so other stories, the emails and stuff. The stories, even let me think of something else. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'll take you back a little bit, and then we'll, as as you're thinking about that, is that you know, it's really if you're going to pitch, you know, and I'll tell you the mistake that we made is that we made like in our pitch, we we set ourselves up like, oh, we're all this, we're all this, we're all this, but what we didn't do in the pitch is say that we can do this for you. You know, what's the benefit for the brand? What's the benefit for the celebrity? What's the benefit? You know, how is this a mutual beneficial kind kind of relationship? And, and, and you know, the first couple of pitches that we did, it was all about like, oh, we've done all this, but not for like how this will benefit you or why this is why this is the right relationship and that there has to be some benefit on their side as well. That's so accurate. And one thing I want to point out is the difference between how men and women pitch. So a lot of times men will go for a job if they meet 50% of the requirements. A woman will only go for it if she meets like 90%. So when you pitch, you said, look at all of these great things I've done. And you forgot about the partnership. Generally, a woman will pitch and say, these are all the things I can do for you. But they don't say, here are my credits that help prove that I can do this. So you got to find like a mix of both. Here's a little about me. Here's what I've done in the past. And here's what I can do for you. And go from there. Um, Another thing I would say that I teach in the book is how to put together your own photo shoot, what to look for um, in photographers, makeup artists, and wardrobe stylists. I want to give you one more. How to make your own photos in the salon if you're not at the point of doing a photo shoot, or if you maybe don't want to work with celebrities, but you want to work with um, influential people around you, maybe the first lady of your church, maybe a Fortune 500 company nearby, anybody where they're going to say, oh my God, Monet does your hair. I've got to go see her. How to make your feed have a similar professional look. And, you know, not just a hair shot. Like, a hair shot is cute, but you got to show a little bit more than hair. That's that's not a vibe. A hair shot, you know, to most people is like, yeah, everybody has hair. But how do you create a vibe on your Instagram? So I even talk about all of that and get out of your own way. I love the name of that, the title of that book. Yeah, because most of us are in our, our in our way. Well, I think that, that, that that's part of the journey, yes. right? It's yeah. part of the journey. You know, how many times are you going to be in your own way before you learn, like, well, this hasn't worked out. Exactly. You're your own common denominator, right? <laughs> I, I love that somebody's uh, who's done it ahead of me that said, you know what? 
this works, this works, this works, this does not, this does not, this does not. So if, if that's where I want it to go, it'll just make it uh, so much easier to get there. It, you know, if I had the right tools. So many times in life that um, so many times in life in my own growth is, is I've always looked for permission. Do I have yes. permission to move on? Do I have permission to do this? You know, and, yes. and, and, and permission is all, it's psycho babble, right? Because it's like, yeah. you don't need permission, but it's really nice to know that somebody else has done it. And because now like, whoa, if Monet's done this, I have permission to seek that. Right. And, and I think that that's where your book could, that's where your book is, is really, really powerful is to, is to give that permission for people to like have a better life. Yeah, people need some form of a checklist to know that they're ready. And one thing I'm skipping over is I do go into detail about assisting. And it's so funny that I'm skipping over it in this interview because in my career, I kept skipping over it. And you know what? Every lesson I needed to learn from assisting waited for me. So you can assist in like the first year and learn these lessons, or you can wait till year 10, assist and learn those lessons. They will wait for you. So many, um, so many people that we've talked to on, on the podcast, um, from influencers to, 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 to session stylists and stuff, they've all, all the ones that have been really successful have all done free photo shoots or free, like, like, like days, you know, like, I think that that's part of the path, right? I think it's part of the to. path to do, to do free work to do to, cause, cause it, it gives you once again, the permission to push far further than than maybe your skill set uh, allows you at the moment. Yeah. And so we didn't have social media when I first started, but let me give a perfect example of why you need to do free photo shoots or free um, assisting. Let's think about when you're in the salon and you have slayed that client. I mean, you cannot wait to take this photo. This is going to make your Instagram blow up. And you're taking a photo. You're like, ooh, not that angle. Oh, okay, turn it Ooh, ooh, not that angle either. Turn the other way. What I'm saying is that sometimes what you see is not translated in the photo. And we now, since we're in a world where everybody's ripping out, you know, their cell phones and we have these great cameras, we can see what went wrong. Thank God she paid you and she's probably happy. But for what I do, that hair has to look great from every angle. And it takes years of practice to get it there. So you're blessed if you can work with the team for free, meaning you didn't pay them because it's never free. Some, they got to pay for the camera, the space, something, you know, the materials. And you get these images back and you get to see, hmm, need a little more work. Or maybe your favorite product doesn't photo well. These are things you simply won't know until you try. I want to have that conversation about product because that's definitely something that I struggle with when I'm looking at, at, at when I do my own photos, you know, um, yeah. I've slayed it. You're telling that story and that, that resonates with me. I live there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's the angle? And like, thank God we have, uh, we work in a suite and we have these incredible hairstylists um, in our suite that take great, great photos, great Instagram yes. photos and stuff. So, you know, you kind of like, you're always peeking out of the side of your eye, like, what are they doing? How are they holding that angle? You know, you're always trying to pick something up. Right. But I can, I can't ever like, I can't ever get that super finished look. You know, and 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 and, and I, I've conceded about two weeks ago that maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's the products that I'm using. It's not the skill, <laughs> but maybe it, it's it has to be anything but the skill. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I understand. And a lot of times, it is the product that you're using. So um, another benefit that I have by being able to style all hair textures is that allows me to work with a lot of different um, hair brands and hair products, and I go by what works. I don't care what the girl on the can looks like, what works. And I try my hardest to only work with products that I can use on um, all hair textures, even like the curly hair products. If you're a gel, you better be a damn gel. I better be able to use you as a gel on any hair. There is no reason why you can only work on curly hair. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. And if a photo, if a product doesn't photo well, it's not a product for you to keep using. Mm -hmm. I think I'm, I'm more in love with you now than I was before we started. I think oh, you're, you're such an amazing ambassador for our industry. Um, how can how can people find your book? How can people find you? How can people follow you? How can people learn from you? 
absolutely. So I'm everywhere at Monet Artistry, M-O-N-A-E Artistry. Um, my book, Get Out of Your Own Way, 25 Insider Tips for Booking Celebrity Hairstyling Clients, is available on my website, themonelife.com, where you'll also see my other classes. I have tons of classes and resources on that site at The Monet Life, but also I do a lot of um, free lives where I just jump on and drop game for people. If you want to be notified for when I'm going live, just text the word hair, you know, like on our head because we love hair, to 33777. That's hair to 33777. Once again, find me everywhere at Monet Artistry. Have some fun on themonelife.com. I've got books, classes, and free resources waiting there for you. Monet, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, for hanging out with us. And thank you very, very, very much for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>